91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. everybody and welcome to another episode of horror movie night it's just around thanksgiving time and it's a scott pick so of course cannibalism is on the menu <laughs> scott i'll be totally honest i wasn't sure if this was a good pick choice not that i don't think it's a great movie i was just like i feel like i remember this movie being pretty serious and not too insane i was very wrong scott tell us why you picked rabbit well i had a couple things lined up and then matt and i'm i'm messaging with matt and matt's like I thought that Thanksgiving picks were always cannibal whoopsies. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And so I did a little digging and I'm thinking about, you know, big what? Fan. What just happened? I think I threw Scott off his yeah. rhythm. I just said big <laughs> yeah, fan. I was like, a like, <laughs> big fan and everything stopped. It came to a screeching halt. Or Scott thought I was going to bring something more interesting to the table. <laughs> Listen, Brian, <laughs> I never fan. expect you to bring anything interesting to the table. <laughs> Brian. Have you seen, I, I mean, I know that I've watched Ravenous quite a few times. I know Scott's probably watched this a couple times. Brian, have you ever seen Ravenous? Uh, I have not. Have you seen Ravenous as of the time of this recording? <laughs> Scott, I remember this. How did you first hear Ravenous? Because this isn't like a super well-known movie. I feel like it's been building in appreciation over the last 
couple years. It but... definitely doesn't have a cult following at all. No. I saw this movie in 2000. I, I oh, When wow. I was working at the video store, I watched it on VHS. Like, I... You know, I, I and I really enjoyed it because I don't think I got it though. You know, I enjoyed it because it was very odd. And like, it's a very uh, tonally, it's a very odd movie. And anything with costumes has always been and will always be top of the top of the charts for me. All right, top of the yeah. pops. Yeah, you get you get off on that. You love seeing those costumes. Well, I mean, it's much more interesting than somebody in t-shirt and jeans eating another person in t-shirt and jeans. Fair enough. Fair enough. I first heard of it because of that Fangoria. Uh, I've talked about it before, that Fangoria book. 101 films that you've never heard of, but probably I, should. I don't understand this whole concept of it not being well known because it's got Guy Pierce. At the peak of Guy Pierce, too. Like yeah, we're Robert talking. Carlyle had just done Full Monty, right? Wasn't that 96? I believe so. Uh, 97. This was in between L.A. Confidential and Memento <sighs> for God for damn, Guy L.A. Pierce. Confidential's a great movie. And I should pick that as a uh, as a Patreon bonus sometime. It would have to be just you and me, though, yeah. because <laughs> I don't think that anybody except you and me could get a conversation out of that. And big thing with L.A. Confidential that I always love to, to remind myself right around November, December, is it is technically takes place at Christmas, so it counts oh, as a, a Christmas Christ movie? I think it counts All right, as a Christmas movie. if you're doing movie. a Christmas 365 about that, you know, you know I want to talk I about it. I can't remember how much it takes place at Christmas, but I remember that the opening scene specifically is there arresting someone and it's like Christmas lights and everything all over. Is Sin City a, a Christmas movie too then? I can't remember. It's been a no, long time No, it's just that the I characters are red and green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. With Ravenous, obviously I, I read it in the book, so I made it a point to, to get it on Netflix. Got the disc in the mail. The watched disc it. back in yeah. the day. Let people know that this was back before there was actually streaming Netflix. This was the old school Netflix. I mean, I still get the discs in the mail, but. It's so weird. Hey, man, they've got better selection on the disc option. It got the disc, watched it, was like, that was fun. And then I was working at a video store shortly thereafter. And my manager loved this movie. And we talk about it all the time. So I would like rent it occasionally just because he would be talking about it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I should double, I should watch Ravenous again. The funniest thing about rewatching this movie, because I hadn't seen it since probably, you know, college. This is only my third watch, maybe fourth watch. I mean, I, I like this movie, but it has definitely fallen off my radar in my adult life. I remembered that it was relatively funny especially jeffrey jones character he gets all the best lines yeah the tone is so weird I, I can't even enumerate why except for the fact that the very beginning scene you you get guy Ritchie or guy Ritchie, well guy pierce like trying to eat a steak looking at yeah <laughs> he's, he's looking at this bloody ass steak and then he he goes outside and spits some oatmeal out that's supposed to be like he gets sick and then it's like ravenous and and it's just the weirdest tonal choice all the tonal choices for the the title cards right there are so strange and then the music is so strange and i i was watching finding a copy of this was its own experience and so before i could find because it wasn't streaming anywhere so finding a copy to watch i was like you know going through my usual youtube and all that and i was watching some clips from it and reading some of the comments people were like this is the best soundtrack ever for a horror movie. And that that informed the way that I watched it. And I was watching it, listening to the music and thinking, this music is either so forgettable or so out of place. Like the, the, the You know why people scene... love this music, though, right? Like, you know who the composer is. I have no idea. It's the lead singer of Blur and Gorillaz. 
did all the music. Okay, it doesn't <laughs> and, doesn't explain that for me, but no, no, I think it's just because it's like fanboys of those bands just being like, gotcha. like, oh, this is the best soundtrack of all time because they it's from this they guy didn't even that I mention that in the comments. It's yeah. not like they were like so and so's. This was the first time I watched it knowing that, and like, I'm a bigger Gorillas fan than I am a Blur fan. And this was this was literally a year before the first Gorillaz album came out, oh. and I can absolutely hear it in the in this soundtrack where his mind was already at. Yeah, because he's probably already in the the writing process of Gorillaz when he was writing the the score for this. If you're a Gorillaz fan, you'll love the soundtrack. You might like Ravenous, but <laughs> yeah. the the thing also is that it's not even the instrumentation that's chosen because the instrumentation that's chosen is somewhat era appropriate, which. Yeah. I appreciate because I like that. That's why the Witch soundtrack is so cool because it's using all what I would call acoustic. Yeah, there's um, no memorable melody that you're humming from Ravenous. <laughs> no, but there is a weird jig, like a fiddle jig that plays while Boyd and um, I cannot remember the name um, of the 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 soldier, but they're running. They're trying to. They're chasing Carlisle's character. He was. Originally calling himself John Gallagher. <laughs> Thank you. You're looking at Wikipedia. I'm looking at my notes. But they're chasing him, and there's like this lighthearted jig yeah. playing in the background, and it it's it just adds this very chaotic kind of feeling to the to the watch of the movie when you're actively listening to the music instead of just kind of like letting it as a teenager i don't think i ever really paid much attention to soundtracks except for obviously the halloween theme the movie moves oh the the pacing is a lot better than it should be yeah like for for a movie that's that's over 90 minutes it moves pretty quickly and like everything like it it rolls out the information at a good at a good pace where you're like never losing interest this is was a weird watch for me because last year i watched all of lost for the first time sat through all Mm -hmm. of lost and my favorite character in Lost was played by this actor who looked weirdly familiar to me when I was watching it, but I couldn't pinpoint it. This actor named Jeremy Davis uh, or Davies. Then this week, I watched two different movies that I hadn't seen in probably a decade, and he was in both of them. And it was this, and it was uh, Secretary with Maggie oh, Gyllenhaal. Oh, man, Secretary. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird movie. For Lost, they picked him because they saw all of these weird indie movies that he was doing, and they're like, man, this guy is a character in himself. And I, I don't remember him having that much of an impact on me during Ravenous, but his he's the best character in Lost. Like he was, I was interested in that show when his character showed up and then I lost interest when his character was killed off. But yeah, this movie, it's, it is a really stellar cast for a film that like nobody has heard of, uh, or at least I wouldn't say nobody, because we, we talked about it for Reddit Horror Club way back when pretty sure it was an early early pick the writer of this movie this was their first screenplay or at least first successful screenplay they went on to write oceans 11 matchstick men and rumor has it i've heard of one of those their career was never quite the same tone as ravenous after that it looked like they just went right into like generic hollywood action and rom-coms from that point on (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and as you're talking about the cast, I just love the fact that I can't look at, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, so just call me Matt Kelly, but uh, Neil McDonnell, he is the blonde haired soldier, you know, Mm -hmm. that gets eventually eaten by Boyd. But 
I can't look at him and not see Damien Dark anymore, <laughs> and I because I watched the CW shows too much, and he is just a very difficult person to decide if I like or hate <laughs> as a celebrity. You know, like I, you look at him and you're like, uh, you watch him and you're like, oh, okay, I, I like his presentation here. I like this character that he's portraying. I, I He's got good energy. But then he also does these commercials for stuff that I think makes him seem kind of Trumpy. Also, I don't really follow a whole lot of celebrity culture because I don't think that we should give a shit about those people's lives. But at the same time, we are a pop culture show and we're talking about celebrities. So it's it's a it's a weird line to tightrope. Yeah, you're you're dancing around it constantly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I know that we are very pro David Arquette around these parts. You're tread lightly. If I hear a butt, (laughs) yeah. If I was treading lightly, you. David Arquette definitely seems to struggle the most with acting like an uh, period-appropriate person throughout this movie. All he had to do was play high. That's all he had to do. <laughs> I think it's because he's got that like Southern California drawl. Yeah, he can't that, cover that it up. Just he makes him can't mask yeah. it. He can't do it. If Guy Pierce can sounding American instead of his original accent. I feel like David Arquette should not get a get out of jail free card here. <laughs> I, not that I didn't love watching yeah. him in this. Oh, I wrote down no, not David Arquette when he was getting killed at one point because I was like, no, he gets killed twice. Yeah, he does. He gets yeah, he gets killed more than anybody in this movie. So the most memorable line in this movie to me, and I actually forget who says it. Maybe it is David Arquette. I can't remember, but it's the he was licking me, screaming part in the middle of the night. That guy is actually famous too. I I didn't write down what he's from. Um, I did do research for this episode, and I'll get into it after we get done with the cast. That character is the priest. Because he gets, he he falls down a, a, a side of the mountain as they're going over oh, that mountain pass. Oh my god, and, does he ever. Yeah. <laughs> he falls, I wrote down, oops, I think I'm watching Hot Rod, because <laughs> that fall down the hill is like a minute and a half. I'm almost convinced because Andy Samberg is such a weird guy already, that he watched Ravenous and was like, we need to do this fall <laughs> shot for shot because it feels almost shot for shot what they ended up doing like six years later in Hot Rod. Which is crazy to think that Hot Rod was only six years after Ravenous because Hot Rod is now, what, 12 years old? It's it's almost 15, I think. Dear God. You you nailed the other big thing I wrote down was the, the fall down the hill. The fall down the hill, I was laughing out loud because it just <laughs> kept going. Scott, how about you explain this movie? Because I feel like the plot of this movie is both simplistic, but also very layered and confusing at the exact same time. <laughs> It would be my absolute pleasure. So Boyd is a somewhat disgraced military. He was in some sort of, um, he was defending or fighting somewhere in maybe New Mexico, the American Southwest. I can't quite yeah, place it. it. Basically, he, he was looked at as a coward. Because he pretended to be dead, but then when he was l- taught, when he came to, because he saw all of his compatriots getting shot and killed by whoever they were fighting, he comes to and he's got blood like running down into his mouth. He drags himself out from under all the corpses on the corpse pile and he captures the fort. He gets a commendation, but his superior 
thinks he's a coward, so he sends him to this remote outpost in what I believe is Northern California. So very, uh, it's in the mountains somewhere. Because he says California, but I mean, it doesn't look like California to me, at least not. It doesn't look like LA. So he goes up there, and then you get the litany of all the people, and it's just like kind of a bare bones trading post during the winter. And this guy, Calhoun, shows up, and he and basically they were like a um, a Donner Party situation where they had got caught in a snowstorm in the mountains. They had to resort to cannibalism, and they decide that they are going to go to the cave and find who Calhoun says is the the last remaining survivor besides himself, who is a murderer. They go, and it turns out that Calhoun is actually Ives, who he was pretending to talk about being the the killer. He kills off most of the people. Guy Pierce jumps off a goddamn mountain, which also that yeah. scene is very impressive. I want to know how they did that. That looks like they literally had someone jump jump off that specific cliff that he looked down from and just roll down it and get it in one take almost. Yeah, yeah. but then they also had to have him hit every branch on a pine tree as he's going down. It's a very very cool shot. I remember thinking that it was pretty fantastic when I saw it for the first time, and then as an adult, I'm thinking, how did they do it? Anyway, yeah. he is stuck down there with the body of the soldier. He reverses the cannibalism a second time, makes it back to the to the fort. They don't believe him. Ives shows up, and he's actually like, you know, a normal colonel or whatever he is. And it turns out that Ives fed human flesh to Jeffrey Jones's character, and now they're both cannibals. Um, and they talk about it being Wendigo. Um, which is an Algonquin word that means, and I did research on this and I'll get into it, uh, spirit of lonely places. And uh, for most white America, we understand Wendigos to be monsters that eat human flesh and then gain supernatural powers. We'll get into the problematic nature of that in a second here. But in any case, the plan that Jeffrey Jones and Robert Carlyle's characters have is to use that trading post, that fort, as a way to just eat humans slowly. Jeffrey Jones says an actual quite funny line. He says, um, it's lonely being a cannibal. Tough making friends. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is very, very funny to me. Uh, again, Jeffrey Jones got the best lines of the whole movie. For the third time, Boyd, Guy Pierce's character, has to eat human flesh. He does it so that he can kill off the two cannibals and then himself die because Martha, the native woman who... Um, she and her brother were part of the the post when Boyd got there. Um, she says, like, you can't cure being a Wendigo. You just have to kill yourself. So he fights Ives, and then they get swooshed together in a giant bear trap and yep. put it on my tombstone. Colonel Ives says, bon appetit. And I'm really sad. <laughs> well, not really sad, but I'm somewhat sad and disappointed that we didn't get, of all the zingers that this movie has and should not have, you know, like it could be a super serious movie, but they have these zingers. We didn't get one where Colonel Ives says to Boyd, let food be thy medicine, which would have been fucking hilarious yeah. to me. But anyway, there you go. Um, so then everybody dies, except we get a little kind of boom where the commanding officer that originally sent Boyd there comes to visit. I think he was the major or something like that. He comes to visit and he eats some human stew. And so it's like, ah, there will always be Wendigo. But... What I do like is the fact that watching this as an adult and reading up on 
Wendigo lore, there was actually a big backlash the last couple of years. And I only knew about this because I read some comments on TikTok about Wendigo and they're like, you're not allowed to say that it's a slur. Um, I think that that is a bit of an overstatement from what I, of the readings that I did this morning before we recorded this. If white writers use Wendigo folklore as just cannibalism, yeah, it's it's kind of like disrespectful because it's it's disc- from what I read, it's discounting the more important societal interpersonal issues with uh, being a Wendigo, which is it's antisocial, anti-community because it's like. Wendigo are men that either ate human flesh willingly or unwillingly, and they it's greed and hunger that's like insatiable. And so it's more of a an indictment of capitalism and colonialism. But I feel like that's already and that's I think in that that's central to the themes of Ravenous, which is yeah, crazy so because I, yeah. like I I read up on on it. I was like, you know, did did they know what they were doing? And and for 1999, for going back all that time and it still kind of hitting the mark especially near the end when Ives is kind of explaining we need a home and this country can be our home it's very greedy capitalistic like let's take the land from the the native people and kind of like our thirst our hunger can never be satiated um and i really like that it's actually what you're talking about the layers of this movie it, it really does have that and I, it went yeah. way over my head in you know 2000 when I watched this in high school because I didn't know anything about it. But I just yeah. thought that that was really cool. It, it does, this did age well is what I was getting at. It, it, it aged really well. And I'm glad that we watched it. Uh, well, at least the two of us watched it. <laughs> I will watch it. Yeah, I know you will. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hey guys, it's Matt interrupting the episode real quick to tell you two things. First of all, if you haven't already, go head up to the Patreon page at patreon.com backslash HMN podcast. There's a bunch of different tiers. You can get a ton of cool stuff like video versions of the episodes, uh, getting the episode a week early, or weekly bonus content from 
us. This includes talking about movies like The Wicker Man and Teen Wolf and a bunch of other kind of bad movies. Dick Tracy is on the horizon at this time. Or just getting a newsletter from us once a month, letting you know what's going on in the lives of the Horror Movie Night team. But if you don't feel comfortable doing a monthly Patreon donation, I totally understand. But would you consider maybe going over and getting yourself a cup of coffee from Rootless Coffee? Go to rootlesscoffee.com. And if you use promo code capital HMN10, you get 10% off your purchase and it helps out us. We get a little kick of that money. So if you want to help support the show and you're a fan of coffee, Rootless Coffee is a phenomenal coffee brand made from some of the finest beans in Michigan. I know. Who would have thought? And it's run by Jono of the pop punk band The Swellers. That's even extra cool if you're a fan of pop punk music, which if you're listening to Horror Movie Night, there's a good chance you are. Anyway, back to the show. In lieu of our normal double features and our normal what did we watch this week, uh, we're going to address something. So the floor is open to Brian, but uh, there's going to be some changes to Horror Movie Night uh, following this episode. And uh, Brian... How will you explain what's going on in your life? So, yes, I am uh, I am taking a, a break for a little bit. Um, some old tweets resurfaced that are not me um, and not who I am today. No. Um, <laughs> How about you give the real answer? <laughs> uh, There's a bunch of people Googling your Twitter account now right now. Yeah, no, I, uh, I got some work stuff going on that has caused me to work severe hours and it's just making it very difficult to participate in the podcast. Uh, I want to be able to watch the movies and I, and I want to be able to, you know, it's not really fair to Matt or Scott to cancel um, last minute, which I've had to do a few times. So I, I, I figured it's best instead of trying to juggle all these things is focus on priorities, get this done. It is temporary. It's just going to be a few months of me kind of getting my life situated, but we have a we have a uh, someone that's going to be filling in for me, um, and it's basically the same as me being here. If I was uh, funnier, more talkative, and more knowledgeable, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've uh, we've been calling him the unofficial fourth member of Horror Movie Night pretty much since Brian joined the podcast. Kyle Kuthka is coming to the show, and here's the here's where you guys went out on this as well. Is that when Brian comes back to the show? Kyle's not going anywhere, baby. We're going to, when Brian's back, we're going to be a four piece of comedy gold, something that you can normally only find for about $1.99 at the local <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> I, I think that Brian and Kyle complement each other very well comedically. And if you don't believe me, definitely just listen to the Uninvited or the Sleepwalkers episode or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation, where it is the four of us. I think that those are among our best episodes. So I think that there is nothing but good times ahead. And Kyle will, just so you guys know, Kyle will be filling in Brian's role on the Scott and Matt picks. Uh, and we're going to continue a little bit longer with the guest picks in lieu of Brian's normal pick because Kyle's also trying to figure out his life <laughs> stuff a little bit. So by we by the time we get to 2022... I think what most of us will pseudo have our things in order. I think you could expect Brian to be back. If I'm just throwing a random date out there, Brian, let me know if I'm completely out out there. 
I think around when episode 350 drops, which is going to be in like late April, early May, I hope to God your life is a little bit more <laughs> more manageable. That is then. the game plan. <laughs> I know that Scott would um, not say this to Kyle, so I'm putting it out in the airwaves. Kyle, if you need access to my list, I'll gladly give it to you. A lot of good... <laughs> 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 Truly, if if, I, if you put Brian Kelly and Kyle Kukta in a room together, the only differential between the two of them is their movie picks. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. And by the time I come back, maybe I won't be able to use a lot of my picks, Scott. Like uh, when I first came on the show, and I was like, you know what, I'm new, so I'm going to hold off on Andre the Butcher. And then a lot of interesting news <laughs> articles came out about Ron Jeremy, and I was like, oh, I don't think I'm ever going to pick this one. <laughs> is, what I'm hearing you say right now is, Scott, please go through my list and trim it down to stuff that you want to watch. <laughs> because that's well, what I'm... we all know <laughs> we've been waiting on when Brian finally returns, we'll actually do the eight-legged Freaks I know. Episode. We should have ended on that, because I didn't need to I watch promise. that. I've watched that a lot. <laughs> Well, I, I wanted an analog for yeah. eight-legged freaks, and so I went with Ravenous. That's our character on the street to get Brian back as eight-legged freaks. Because they'll be like, hey, we need to you watch back. it. Yeah, they'll be like, we need you back to the show, and I'm just smoking a cigarette with my cowboy hat. Like, I don't do podcasts anymore. <laughs> it's eight-legged freaks. <laughs> like, Haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a name I haven't heard in a long, in a long time. time. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you joined the show at a very chaotic time in the show where there was, I mean, there was very real conversations on if Horror Movie Night was going to continue or become a different thing altogether. And you kind of kept the show going for the last three years. And obviously, speaking as a brother, it's been great having an excuse to, like, actually have two, three hours talking to you on a weekly basis. You know, I feel so uncomfortable right now because the way that Matt's talking, it's like it's a non-negotiable. And since you're family, it is a non-negotiable <laughs> that you come back. And I'm like, if it's healthy for you, uh, you know, I'm just like the mom of the show right now. I'm always like, you know, honey, it's okay if you need more time. It's okay if, if your life changes Listen. in such a way that you... That you can't come back and we'll miss you at college. <laughs> Listen, you need you need to know this about Brian. Brian deep down fucking loves doing this show. It might not shine in some of his performances on the show or his ability to watch the movies, but he likes doing the show. He just wants to actually be able to do the show, not right. just be like a weird it's like watching a live recording of you and I doing an episode and occasionally chuckling or throwing in a tidbit. Yeah, like um, I had already made my decision to walk away for a little bit. But what really helped be like, yeah, I think I'm making the right decision. I need to fix my life was Wednesday night. My sister, who has been battling breast cancer for over a year, called me and said, you didn't call me after my surgery and you always call me after my surgery. And I had no idea that she had a surgery. And that's when I was like, I have too much going on in my life. Yeah. I need yeah. to figure shit out. And if anybody yeah. listening has yeah. problems, you come to us. <laughs> I mean, actually keep it yeah. to yourself because we don't really want to hear any negativity about this. Thank you. Uh, I, I mean, 
I'll I'll deal with it. But all right. Well, that was that was horror movie night. Ravenous 1999. We'll be back next week with another episode for your ear holes. So stay tuned. Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.